following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. you would, let's open up our Bibles or electronic devices that have a Bible on it. Right-hand side of the Bible, you're going to see um, a little letter uh, called 1 Thessalonians. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, if you see Revelation, just keep going to the left and uh, you'll get to 1 Thessalonians. If you still can't find it, it's in the table of contents Um, and it is good to be here this morning. It's interesting as we're opening up our uh, Bibles and studying God's Word, um, uh, we prayerfully consider uh, what passages and books to preach on a significant time in advance before uh, Sunday. So I'm not, I'm not one of those pastors that um, Saturday night I'm Googling my sermon, just FYI. Um, actually, uh, we, we go well, well, well in advance, usually six months to a year Um, of what we're looking at. So we're scoping those things out. For example, um, in January of next year, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. So uh, that's kind of how far out that we look. Um, In COVID, uh, it was interesting. We studied first and second Peter talking about how to respond to authorities. (laughs) And that is all the Lord's work. And then as we get here on uh, this Sunday, we are in First Thessalonians talking about how the church thrives, uh, which is really fascinating as we just put in carpet and chairs and we're going through some of these modifications. So um, as we look at this book, it is timely. It is also very, very relevant um, as it should be. And it's applicable for our lives, not just here in this space, but also in our everyday lives too as well. If you are just, is this like your first Sunday at Community Gospel? First of all, welcome. My name is Jordan. We're glad that you're here. Um, we have been studying this little letter, First uh, Thessalonians. If you have missed any of those messages, you can find them at communitygospelchurch.com, um, and you can kind of get caught up. But let me catch you up to speed on where we're at so far. If you look at First Thessalonians, chapter 1, big numbers being the chapters, smaller number being the verses, uh, we are looking at a church um, of believers in uh, Thessalonica. People have often asked this question, is church for believers or for non-believers? At the core, the church is for believers, and we know full well that non-believers sometimes come as our doors are open and are curious about the things that are going on. Um, If there is somebody here who you invited or is new, uh, it is our responsibility as believers to explain what we do to them. So uh, by, by all means, um, if you need to um, help somebody with their Bible or find the right spot or whatever the case is, we should be that kind of church uh, where we realize that there are non-believers in our presence sometimes. But for uh, the, the primary um, uh, purpose of the church is a gathering of believers. So in Thessalonica, there was a gathering of believers, and that would be modern-day Greece, These modern-day believers are grounded in the gospel. They understand that Christ came, Christ died, Christ rose again, and he is returning soon. (laughs) 
So they're wondering, hey, when does this Jesus guy come back? And as uh, they are learning about the gospel, they got the gospel from a guy named Paul, who is a church planter who used to persecute the church, and now he's populating it. He is with two other individuals writing this letter. We see Silas in the first couple of verses, as well as Timothy. You might have Salvanius. Um, We shorten that to Silas. Timothy, a young man who has already gone back to the church, as we'll see, and just seen how they're doing. So Paul, church planner, gives the gospel to these Thessalonians. They come together, receive the gospel, and are starting to grow in the gospel. As they're growing in the gospel, persecution is coming, problems are coming. And so they're wondering, hey, is this Jesus guy worth it? There's pain that comes from it. There's pushback that comes from them talking about Jesus. He's always on the forefront of their minds. They're talking about him. They're sharing the gospel. And now there is persecution problems and pain coming. And Paul, in chapter 3, is going to talk about how they are to continue to remain successful as a church, clinging to this gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, he's talked about their ministry and how he modeled well what it looked like to model the gospel for them. In the first part of, or excuse me, the last part of chapter 2, he's talked about wanting to come see them again. And now in chapter 3, he's saying, listen, I sent Timothy and he gave me an encouraging report And I want you to see how the church thrives. Now, there's lots of things in the New Testament that talk about how to keep a church thriving. These are just three of those principles. Three of those principles from Paul to the church of Thessalonica, who's doing well for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the first uh, part of this passage, which is verse 6. Now that Timothy has come to you, so Paul's writing from Corinth um, this letter to these people. And it's obvious that he had sent Timothy because he couldn't go there himself to talk to this church or to see how they were growing in the Lord. He says, now that Timothy has come to you and has brought us, so Timothy's gone back to Paul and to Silas, the good news of your faith. Timothy's talked about how much you love the Lord, how much uh, you always remember us and our work that is being done in a different location, longing to see us as we long to see you. That's a pastor's heart. He's like, hey, I'm gone, and I want to come back and see you, but uh, for whatever reasons, I can't. Verse 7. For this reason, brothers, there's the term of endearment there. In all of our distress and affliction, and when he says our, he's talking about his, Silas's, Timothy's, the whole entire church. He's talking about in all of our distress and our affliction, we are comforted about you. Primarily, I'm comforted about what you're doing, and hopefully you're comforted about what I'm doing for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. For now, we live, and I love this, if you are standing fast in the Lord. All of those things that Paul has given, and I, um, I'm sorry about this, but you guys are at a disservice without this screen because these people are taking notes over here, and you guys are like, I'm taking my own notes, all right? And let's just be honest. Your notes probably be better than their notes. No offense, all right? We'll compare them when we get done with church, all right? We'll see who did a better job. If you really want to know, all right, I'm just going to give you guys talk amongst yourselves. If you really want to know what's going on, just look backwards at that screen, all right? You'll see exactly what's going on. You guys are in good company. You'll, you'll see that. Verse 6. Verse 7, verse 8, what Paul's doing is he's encouraging the church. Listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have got to be known for being encouraging people. We have got to be known for being encouraging people. All throughout this letter, chapter 2, verse 1, all the way through chapter 3, verse 5, Paul has spoken about what has happened in the past. 
Now he changes. And he's moving into what is currently transpiring, starting with a good report from Timothy, who just returned to him, visiting Thessalonica. Remember, Timothy, look at chapter 3, verse 2, was sent to exhort the believers, to encourage them and to teach them, and then return back to Paul and tell them how, he, uh, how they are doing. And Timothy gives two pieces of good advice. Number one, he says that church has unwavering faith. No matter what they experience, no matter what they go through, they are faithful people. They cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are confident in Christ. Could that be said about you? Number two, Timothy says they have a Christ-like love for not only the church, but also for other people. John Calvin said about faith and love, they are effectively, those two traits capture the essence of godliness. If you're looking at somebody and you're saying, I'm a godly person, essentially what you're saying is, I'm a faithful person in regards to trusting Christ as my Savior, and I'm also loving in regards to the fact that I'm striving to make Christ known through my words and my actions. And these are how I safeguard from mistakes throughout my entire life, faith and love. So Timothy's encouraging word comforted Paul. An encouraging, an encouraging word, first and foremost, comforts. And then number two, if you look at uh, verse six, it says it gave him life. It helped him to stand strong. It helped him in his own persecution and crisis. Encouraging words give life. Encouraging words also, seven and eight, bring comfort. Paul writes the letter to the Thessalonians from Corinth. Now, if you know anything about Corinth or the book of First and Second Corinthians, you realize that the Corinthians are all over the map. I mean, they got more sin than you can count. They are problem people. They are saturated in just a lot of bad things. And Paul's looking to the Corinthians, and he's thinking to himself, I don't know if I should stay in Corinth to minister to these people. This is a problem church. And so when he first enters that city, it was difficult to enter. And he said of coming to Corinth, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, you don't have to go there. Let me read it to you. It says, I came to you in weakness. I came timid and trembling. Sounds like my first years in ministry. <laughs> I came in timid and trembling, so nervous. But when Timothy came back with good news, Paul had a renewed strength and freshness of life. Verse 8, he says, for now we live. It was almost like Paul was completely deflated, here's Timothy's encouraging word and goes right back into the fight, right? You guys are like that. You know how that is, like at your job or your workplace or moms and dads with kids, right? You're like, I give up. I wash my hands. I pilot you, right? This is how this works. Somebody comes in and they're like, hey, let me give you an encouraging word. And you're like, back in the fight. It's exactly what Paul is doing here. Paul had a renewed strength and freshness of life from encouraging words. And he's comforted knowing that his godly efforts were not useless and his ministry is re-energized. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 16 verse 24. It says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. How many of us know that one person? Let's say their name out loud on the count of three. Just kidding. Um, who just, when you get around him, you're like, oh man, here it comes. This person's always uh, just so... Eeyore-esque, right? You got some Eeyores in your life? Oh, bother. Guess God gave me another day on planet Earth. 
Oof. Yeah. So say their name. on. No, just kidding. But we all have somebody else in our life. When we hear from them, we experience joy. And their encouraging words are just a, so much of a work of life in our lives. I remember when I was first here, some of you might know him. There was a guy uh, at our church. He's moved to Indy. Uh, his name was Mike Stemble. Mike Stemble, for some of you guys who know him, I don't know if Mike was ever mad a day in his life. I have no idea. Every time I talked to him, Mike was always excited. He was always, hey, God is good. God is faithful. I think I could kick him in the shins, and he would still praise the Lord. He'd be like, you know what, Jordan, you got strong feet. <laughs> that was Mike Stemble, 101. It still is Mike Stemble. First Thessalonians, if you jump over to chapter 5, verse 11, Paul will say this. He will say, brothers and sisters, encourage one another and build one another up. Are you known by being that person that you encourage one another and you build one another up? Or are you an Eeyore? Write that down on your sheet. Am I an Eeyore? Pray about that one. Now, the second thing is encouraging words helped Paul stand strong, do the same thing for us. Look at verse 8. The unwavering faith and love of the Thessalonian believers helped Paul stand fast in the Lord. I get this as a pastor of Community Gospel Church. When I hear the things that you guys are doing for the gospel of Jesus Christ, it just brings me life. I mean, we just continue to see God's faithfulness. It's awesome to be in a sanctuary that's renovated. It's better to be in your presence when God is renovating your heart. So here we see knowing fellow believers are standing fast and firm in the faith renews our purpose. Remember the old song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Encouraging words are like taking gasoline and just dumping it on that little light and just letting it just light up, which I don't recommend throwing gasoline on somebody, but whatever. <laughs> Pastor Jordan, how do I do that? Let me give you three ways you can deliver an encouraging word. First and foremost, celebrate somebody else's faith in Jesus Christ. It starts with that. If you know somebody who's a believer in Jesus Christ, this week I want you to just reach out and say, I'm so glad that you're a part of the family of God. I'm so glad that you know Jesus. I'm so glad that you've confessed your sin and believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, if you see somebody who is loving in a Christ-like way, recognize that and acknowledge it ASAP. Don't wait. When you see something, say something. When you see a Christ-like trait manifested in front of your very eyes, say something as fast as you can. We often try to say four compliments before we give any criticism. Another thing that we can do to be encouraging. Try to see the godliness working. Try to see some of these, uh, those things happen. Number two, share your own story of faith and love. I don't like to talk about myself a whole lot. It's not talking about yourself if you're talking about what God did in your life. Okay, you're talking about who God is. You're pointing back to your Savior. Look at what Paul did. He expressed how the Thessalonians' faith brought him comfort and revived his spirit. Sharing our story of faith and love to other believers makes an impact. Let me tell you how God worked in my life this past week. Let me tell you what God did this past week. Let me, let me tell you what God did in our family's life, in our kids' life. Let me tell you what's going on and what's transpiring. Third thing. Pray, pray, pray for perseverance. That God would see you through to whatever you're dealing with right now. We often forget the power and purpose of prayer. 
And Paul continually prayed for the Thessalonians, and we do the same for others. Speaking of prayer, verse 9. Chapter 3, verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? In other words, we're thankful for you. We want to give that back to the Lord. For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Paul's just like lavishing the praise uh, on these Thessalonian believers. Verse 10. We pray most earnestly night and day. So there's a hard case for morning and evening prayer. That we may see, your, see you face to face. End of verse 10. Supply what is lacking in your faith. What Paul's doing here in the text is he is praying for maturity as he encourages. In verse 9, it brings Paul great joy to see the Thessalonians come to Christ. Now, pause for a second. You should have an Excel document or Word document or handwritten document, whatever the case is. And whoever is in your life, you should have two columns, believers, non-believers. You should know every person in your life if they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your whole goal is to be a believer first, then wherever God puts you second. So Paul says, it brings us great joy to see you come to know Christ, and it brings us greater joy to see you mature in Christ. So on that second column, we look at those believers in Christ. We want to see those believers grow in Christ, okay? And that's what Paul says. He says, hey, I thank God for you day and night. Now, there's two parts of Paul's prayer here. First one, as I already said, verse 9, is the prayer of praise for salvation. Paul thanked God for the Thessalonians' faith and love, and their behavior was works he never took credit for. Not once did he take credit for it. This was God at work in them. I'm reminded of the letter that was penned to the uh, Philippian church in chapter 2, verse 13. Paul says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. That's another way you can be encouraging. You can look at somebody and say, hey, God is giving you the desire and the purpose to do what is pleasing to him, even though it might not be ideal. He prays God for working. We never stop praying for the salvation of others and praising God when it happens. My Excel document of people who don't know the Lord and know the Lord is the Second place that I go to in my morning devotions, and I pray through those names. Lord, if I see this person, help me be bold enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. God, if I see this person, help me to encourage them in the gospel. Number number two, the second part of Paul's prayer, verse 10, he earnestly prays night and day, that's constant prayer, for the Thessalonians' continued growth. Paul asked God to let him and his co-workers return to Thessalonica because up to this point, chapter 2, verse 18, we know that Satan hindered them. And Paul knows that Satan's interruptions can only happen with God's permission. Pause. Some of the things that are causing people to not come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are happening because the devil is hindering it, and we need to pray that God would remove that hindrance. Some of our, uh, us as people aren't growing in our relationship with God because Satan is hindering it, and we need to ask God to remove that hindrance. Now, Paul says, I want to see you face-to-face and supply what is lacking in their, face, in their faith. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, 
we don't have because we don't ask. So when you have problems, right, in this world, when persecution, trials, tribulations come, our prayer needs to be, first of all, if we're dealing with non-believers, that the veil is lifted and they come to know Jesus Christ and change their perspective. If we're dealing with a believer, we need to realize that we can pray and have the opportunity to pray for the veil of immaturity to be lifted as well. See, we go into the fight oftentimes without prayer. We go into the fight sometimes completely unarmed. It has to go back to prayer. Pastor Jordan, prayer's boring. Prayer's boring because you think it's boring. Prayer's not boring. If you don't ask, the answer's always no. So, okay, how do I do this? How do I pray for a mature faith in both of those things? Well, let me give you two ways. Number one, you have to give, <laughs> this is going to be so hard, I'm sorry. You have to pray first and foremost that God gives you a genuine love for this, for the church. If we aren't good at loving one another here, how in the world are we going to be good at loving one another out there? Like some of you, after church is over, you need to walk across the aisle and resolve your differences. Because we have to get good at loving each other here. And I cannot love you unless I ask God for the help to love you. Now I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself in regards to chapter 12, but, or in verse 12. But in verse 12, Paul will encourage the believers to increase and abound in love for one another and for all. In other words, Paul says, if you're good at loving each other, it'll be easy to love other people out there. Some of the reason you don't love people out there is because you don't love people in here very well. All right, enough conviction out of that, all right? Number two is prayer for help to live holy and blameless. Now, church, this is 100% your responsibility. Like, you can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. God, help me to live holy and blameless. And God will say, as you pray, walk that way. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, he says, And he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We as believers are relentless in our prayers for the ability to live a life that reflects the character and righteousness of God. It cannot be done without the filling of the Holy Spirit. I will, I will love you selfishly if it is up to my, my own devices. I'll just do it. It's my natural inclination to love selfishly, self, selfishly. But with the Holy Spirit, it all changes over. Everything changes over. And now we get the true definition of love, which is seeking the other person's best. So our aim is always to be striving to live in obedience to God's word, set apart for his purposes. And that means, like I said before, you're a believer first, then a insert whatever it is you are. Mom, dad, engineer, whatever the case is. Then you love well. So watch this. Look at how Paul's flow is kind of moving here. Encouraging words give life which move us into maturity, which move us into loving well. Verse 11, <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 11. Now, knowing all those things, may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, Paul is not saying, may myself and Timothy and Silas do this. Nope. 
That's not how it works. May God do this. May our Father do this. Through Jesus Christ do this. May He do what? May He direct our way, oh, that's plural, to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in the love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Notice that Paul goes from faith to love to hope, which he talked about in chapter 1. He does the exact same thing that he does in chapter 1 in chapter 3, and he says this is how we love well. Paul desperately wants to be reunited with this church, but it's unclear of whether Paul ever got to this church. We don't know. We have no idea if Paul ever returned to the Thessalonians. We do know in Acts 20, he traveled through Asia on his third missionary journey, and he was uh, joined by a couple of guys there from Thessalonica, but really we, we have no idea. Regardless, Paul knew that in order for the church to thrive, they had to have one key ingredient, and that's love. Not disunity, not disagreements over things that didn't matter. He says, you need to love. Well, love is kind of a word that has been kind of torn apart in our society, right? Like, everybody has kind of this definition for the word love. What is love, truly? What does it mean to love? Well, true love is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And in that definition of love, that is the word agape. So Paul uses the same word here that we see all throughout the New Testament text. And agape love is constantly increasing, verse 12, and abounding. And what Paul says is he says that love can be strengthened and mature with God's help. So if you walk through verse 12, he prays the Lord would make the Thessalonian believers increase and abound in love for one another. Because as they abounded in love for each other, they would abound in love for all. This is selfless love that can only come from God. It's the type of love that looks out for somebody else's interests. Do you love that way? Husbands, you love your wives that way? Wives, you love your husbands that way? You get up in the morning and say, man, how can I serve my wife? You get up in the morning, how can I serve my husband? How can I serve my boss? How can I serve my employees? How can I serve my children? I know that sounds even hard for us to wrap our mind around. But that's what Paul's saying here. True love seeks the other person's best. This type of love can withstand difficulty because you're not looking out for your own interests. If I don't get what I want, it doesn't matter. I wasn't looking out for those things anyway. If I don't get what, what I desired, it doesn't matter because God got what he desired and he is good. And so therefore that is good. And Paul and his companions, if you look at verse 12, already abounded in this love for the Thessalonians because God gave it to them. So what are you getting at here, Jordan? All right, let me tell you something. It's not enough, church, I say this as much love as I possibly can. It's not enough for us to just be courteous to one another. That's not love. It's not enough for us just to be courteous to one another. True love is active, not passive. True love is persistent. And it's done on a daily, minute by minute, second by second basis. True intentional love is always on the offense. 
If your compassion or your empathy has remained unchanged for some time, then you have to go back to prayer and ask God to fill you again. And you have to ask God to reignite the fire. And how is the fire reunited? By the encouragement of the saints. So it all kind of comes back full circle. But Paul says, look at verse 13. He said, it's also blameless in holiness. Paul prays that God would establish or strengthen the Thessalonians' hearts. Now, in the Bible, the word heart, if you want to circle that in the text, refers to what's on the insides. It's one's emotions and desires and will, their personality. In other words, Paul wants the Thessalonians to live in such a way that people would see it in their character of how they were blameless in holiness and lived off the filling of the Holy Spirit. Look at the second part of verse 13. Perfect completion is not obtainable in this life due to our flesh. However, the process of sanctification, becoming like Christ, brings us as believers closer and closer to perfection until one day when this process is over, we'll be made completely perfect in the presence of God. Now look at how Paul phrases this. At the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints... That's a reference to the second coming of Christ, where he establishes his eternal, his eternal kingdom. At that time, Christ gathers up all the believers, dead and alive in Christ, and the real family reunion begins. And then we get to eat, right? It's like when lunch happens. So what are we getting at here? What's, what's the, the applications here? Church, how do we thrive? We have to, have to, it's a must, be relentless in our encouragement, For people to come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and people to remain steadfast in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you known as that person? Paul's encouragement to increase and abound in love for one another and for all is teaching on the importance of developing encouragement in the community. In home, in work, in church, all places that you populate. Every place that you populate. If you're in Eeyore, and somebody comes up to you, and you know, and here's the deal. If you don't know a Neor, you might be a Neor. I'm just telling you that right now, okay? When you get to that spot, and by the way, if you don't know who Eeyore is, it's Winnie the Pooh character. He's this elephant. He's got, like, his tail tacked on. It's really an interesting devil. Whoa. You know what? I'm going to start getting biblical passages wrong more often. You'll speak back. He's a donkey. You haven't talked back to me that way in 10 years. I need a pen. He's a donkey. That's what you got out of church today. Good grief. Holy cow. Good grief. Y'all knew Jesus. You know that? That's fun. All right. Anyway, get things wrong more often. So we can't be donkeys. (laughs) We have to be known as people who are encouraging. We can't be that way. We have to be relentless in encouraging words. It can only come by the power of the Holy Spirit. That means words of affirmation, acts of service, or simply being present and supported when you're you're dealing with somebody who's experiencing challenging time. Let Let me just free you of something real quick. When you're with somebody who's dealing with something, Our job as believers oftentimes is not to give answers, but just to be present in the pain. Like, hey, I'm here. 
and I'm with you, and, and I'm for you, and let's just walk with this together. Sometimes we just need to be next to somebody else in their pain and in their suffering. And then Paul says, hey, pray without ceasing. Believers are persistent and constantly praying for not only our own spiritual growth, but also the growth in others. And we pray that God matures our understanding of his word and increases our love for him and for others, strengthens our faith. An active faith is a mature faith. An immature faith is a dormant faith. Which one do you have? So let me, let me summarize this um, and conclude this, and I'm going to put this in a really practical way, all right? I want to highlight the importance of being encouraging and prayerful and loving as a church. Two days ago, I don't know what happened, but my email got hacked. The most frustrating thing in the world. Actually, I, I, it wasn't just me. It was a couple other people. Um, we all kind of had this email hacking party. Um, but anyway, it happened, right? I sent out, I sent out. Uh, to friends and family, like, I think like 60 of you got this. It made my day so inconvenient because I was walking and people would be like, hey, Jordan, I bought those gift cards for you. I'm like, what gift cards? Like, even my UPS guy goes, hey, man, I got those gift cards for you. Stop. Like, what are you talking about? Found out, email's compromised, all right? Um, so a close friend of mine reached out for support. And instead of slamming the hammer of condemnation for not changing my email password since 2012, essentially said, hey, these things happen and totally could understand because they went through the exact same thing just a couple days ago. So they provided some practical steps, right? Like, hey, this is how you secure like your digital stuff, whatever the case is. Um, but yeah, and, and here's what's, what's crazy about the whole thing. The people that I talked to were like, what was given to us didn't match who you were, so we knew something was wrong. Like, we normally get messages from you, but um, the messages that we got didn't match the previous messages. Are you, are you tracking here? Like, so you, you usually do this, but that was missing. You usually speak this way, but that was missing, right? And even though those fake messages were sent, what was happening was I didn't have to respond to them because I knew God was in control, and it wasn't me. And so God's working through the situation. He's working through those circumstances. There's some things, right, church, where you're trying to solve that you need to just let God work through. We as a church function in very similar ways. Just as that brother walked up to me, gave me some encouraging words about compromised emails, the Thessalonian believers experienced growth because of Saul and Paul and, or excuse me, Paul and Silas and Timothy because they loved and prayed for them. When those adversity situation comes, when the challenges comes, the entire community rallies together and they provide practical biblical steps to comfort and to correct and we pray and we love and we say, this is not us. We're called and commanded to be different. So that's, that's my like, question for us. Like if a crisis hit for you, would somebody look at you and be like, that's not them. Like, that's, that's not the way they are. Like, they are, they're, they're actively encouraging prayer for people who love well, like Christ did. Hmm, interesting. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, um, I just ask that, first and foremost, um, you forgive us for not looking like Jesus in life. 
And sometimes, Lord, we approach situations and circumstances and uh, we're trying to change those, those situations and circumstances instead of going straight for the heart. And, and we're, we often don't see the bigger issue at hand, that, that there's some people in this world that are far from you, that are in our everyday lives, that are causing some pain and some problems. And the biggest thing that will change that is if they just accept the gospel. So we just ask that that veil would be removed. That we would boldly communicate the truths of Scripture into their life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, wait, I don't even know the gospel. I don't have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. Some of us who are here this morning are not encouraging people because we have never accepted the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you're thinking to yourself, that's me. Then you pray to the Lord and you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross can cover a multitude of sins. Sins like mine. I want to come into a relationship with you through faith. I trust you today. For those of us, Lord, who know you, we do ask for your forgiveness for not being people of prayer who ask to be set apart for the gospel, who encourage, and who love well. We ask that you would help us to be like Paul and what he says in the text, how he communicates to the Thessalonians, how he encourages them. God, we know that if we don't ask, we don't receive. So we pray that you would help us to remove our fingers off the things of this world the things that we hold near and dear to our heart, and that we be made known for the things that are of you. God, do a great work in our heart. We know that the gospel does the most work under the skin. And so today I pray that you would do that work under the skin. Do that work on our hearts. Help us, Lord, in these things. Maybe not just be people who know the word, but do the word as well. It's in your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.